You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to a new week. Dropping the gloves. Tim's here. Tim, how you doing, my friend? Oh, I'm good. Happy Monday, John. How's your weekend? It was good. Can't complain. It was a great weekend. Weather's been just garbage. Absolutely atrocious the last three weeks. Rain. Has it been raining in North Carolina after the big hurricane? Or has it been nice? It's been nice, it's been cool, it's been pretty good. And it's busy a couple of days, too, because I leave in a couple hours to fly to D.C. tonight for a client video shoot tomorrow, and then I'm taking the Amtrak tomorrow night from D.C. to Philly for another work meeting in Philly all day, and then flying home Philly on Wednesday night back to Charlotte. So whirlwind of a couple of days coming up. Dang, look at you, yeah. Mr. Uh, East Coast. That's fun. Worldwide, wide, wide. Not worldwide. East coast, 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 but very exciting. I don't travel at all. We're we're going downstate on Thursday to visit my wife's grandpa. That's like the furthest we're going to go. It's a four hour, four hour car. The kids are all pumped up because uh, he has a pool in his little old folks home that he lives in. So the kids are going to tear up the pool and just annoy every old person in that place and just make a lot of noise and have some fun. But speaking of kids, you can't commiserate with me on this maybe the parents listening this is my biggest pet peeve and it's the most disgusting thing i think in the world (laughs) the worst the worst smell and i will just argue this with anybody if you have a, a smell that smells worse than this let me know waking up in the middle of the night going to use the restroom and going in the bathroom and there's probably seven bodies worth of urine sitting in the toilet a stale urine smell is the worst smell i've ever smelled in my life have oh. you ever encountered this tim when you walk into a restroom and the toilet has not been flushed sure like but seven people it's disgusting are you not teaching your kids to flush after they go or what well here's the tricky thing so at night i'm like don't flush the toilet we have a small house I'm like don't wake me up because the toilet flush wakes me up at this point in my life for some reason i just i wake up the drop of a hat if you like sneeze, I'm waking up. It's just I, I, I'm programmed to wake up very easily. So I told them, like, don't flush the toilet. But I think they're taking it too far. And they haven't gauged how to use toilet paper yet because it's just so much toilet paper. And this past week, I don't know why I'm talking about this, but I plunged that toilet at least three times because they just go nuts with the toilet paper. It gets clogged. One of them takes a dump. It's still clogged. It's just insane. I'm clogging like just toilet three three times a week. I'm like, you guys, you have to start flushing, especially after a poop. And if it's clogged, you have to let me know because they won't let me know because they're afraid I'm going to be upset because it's just an ongoing thing. And so they'll just leave it be. And the next person will come and just it just it's, it exponentially gets worse. So I'll roll in there at 4 a.m. to go to the restroom. And I'm like, it stinks so bad in here and it's dark. And I turn the light on. It's just a cesspool in that place. Uh. (laughs) What's a worse smell? Just rotten 
stinky stale urine oh it's disgusting oh i'm so glad i live alone it's so great it's, it's so quiet gross. and clean oh it's so nice but then they wake up and give you a hug and a kiss and it's all better but boy at that point I'm like you guys are animals absolute animals i was so just frustrated dejected just you know who i felt like i felt like miles wood i felt like matt zuccarello I felt like Patrick Kane, all of these guys, early season frustrations are boiling over. And it's the boiling over really quickly. Usually we see this, you know, a week, two weeks into the season. This is literally two games into the season, one game into the season. For these guys, it's going to be a long year if these trends continue. Let's start, let's start with Miles Wood. One of the leaders with the New Jersey Devils, would you say, Tim? One of the one of the heartbeats, a guy who kind of stirs to drink, as we like to say. Wouldn't you say he's one of the guys you look to on New Jersey? Yeah, he is. He's certainly one of the high energy guys. He's not like a, a super high producer, but he's definitely you know one of the guys on that team. And he hasn't had a lot of success in the winning department since joining the Devils. He's been there for gosh six seven i think this is the seventh year and they haven't won a lot of games during that time and you can tell it's finally getting to him we talked about that with zimgus gergitson last year the buffalo sabers what his worth will be miles wood same type of player you mentioned he's a high energy guy he fights he hits he just he he carries the luggage for the new jersey devils he does all the unsexy stuff that you need to get done to win hockey games well he got a little frustrated after game game two only the Devils' expectations are, are, are increasing, I would say, in his tenure. This is the first year where you would look to a season and say, you know what, we could compete for a playoff position. We are getting better. The young guys, they're growing. We got Hughes. We got Hershire. We could bring in Graves last year. We got Dougie Hamilton. We got Miles Wood. We have some pieces to succeed. They start 0-2, and he blows a gasket. After the game, he's being interviewed. What does Miles Wood say to the interviewers, Tim? He said, I'm just sick and tired of being on a bad team. That's the thing that stinks the most. Tomorrow is a must-win game for us, and it's my job to get the guys going. That's what he said after game one, before game two. And he went out and he did score a goal, um, but the team did lose again. And he apologized the next day and said the comments made after the loss were, I don't want to go down that road of being a non-playoff team again. He said it came out of frustration. He wasn't chirping his team. He just wants to win, which is fair enough. But, like, don't don't backtrack on it. You know what I mean? Like, you're, you're frustrated. Let the people know. You know what? Don't get soft on it. Yeah. What did So you think he should not have apologized? You think he should have just stood by his comments and said, you know what? My team's got to be better. Because in his – he kind of does throw the team under the bus a little bit. He's like, I'm sick and tired of being on a bad team. It's insinuating, not insinuating. It's outright stating we're a bad team after one game. Or am I just looking into this too much? And he's just kind of venting after one game. He's like, I'm sick of this junk. Is he calling his team bad, setting himself up for 81 games of just garbageness? Or is he... I don't know. What do you, what does he mean by this then? Why why does he not have to apologize? Cuz I think it's he's basically calling his team junk. Okay, these are the win totals in the season that Miles Wood has been a professional NHL hockey player. Last year, 27. 
Year before, 19, shortened season. Year before, 28. Year before, 31. Year before, 44. They had a decent season. Year before that, 28. Year before that, 38. He has not won a lot of hockey games. So, yeah, he's definitely frustrated. And you look at their roster, not a, not a contending team yet, but like you said, they are on the up and up. They have one of the young, budding superstars. They have a guy who, is, when he's healthy, is probably a legit top 10 defenseman in the league. They signed one of the bigger free agents with Andre Palat. Like, they got they got a good up-and-coming team. And so far, they're 0-2. It's early. It's a little reactive. But I do like the frustration. I, I like the passion, the energy. That's probably what I want from a guy in that role yeah i don't know i i don't know if i necessarily agree with the guy and you nailed it in that role being that vocal about his disappointment with the team i i just don't know you have to know your position on the team this team is nico hirshire's team this team is jack hughes's team this team is dougie hamilton's team those are the those are the highest paid guys on the team this is their team. Even now, uh, Andre Pilat, you mentioned. I, I don't know how this goes over in the room. Miles Wood is a third-line, fourth-line guy. He's directly talking to the, the higher echelon guys in this team. We're junk. We're bad. We need to win. This is you, captain. This is you, assistant captain. Jack Hughes, Nico Hirshire. So it, it's a shot across the bow to them. Like, let's go get your act together. You're the best player on this team, best players on this team. You need to play better to, to for us to win hockey games. That's the way I see it. I would not be as upset, or not. I'm not. I'm not upset. This would not be a bigger, biggest distraction in the locker room if this is coming from the captain here, Shire. That's all I'm saying. This is Miles Wood, a third line guy. I like his passion. I don't like that he does it publicly. This questions the, the leadership. This questions the talent. This que- questions the compete level of the top two lines. I would never – I know my place when I played. I was a fourth-line guy. I would never do anything to draw attention to myself or to question the guys who are above me in, in the pecking order. I, I, I get it. He's passionate. He wants to win. He's sick and tired of losing. Do it in the locker room. Maybe he, Maybe he has – you don't do it to the press after a game. It just it it it's not a good look. And and we'll get to Mad Zuccarello in a second. I don't like Miles Wood saying this. I, I don't think he has the status or talent level to say this publicly. You're not the guy ca- carrying the luggage on the. You're not the goal scorers. You're not the guy who who can get you wins. Maybe a couple games you'll be the difference maker, but. In a whole, it's the first and second line and the first deep pairing who wins you championships and games. And and for you to call him out, I don't know. It just doesn't sit well with me. Yeah, but and, and that's a good point. But he also the longest tenure, the second longest tenure. I think Damian Severson's been there a, a year or two longer, but he's been around. And so it's not his team, but it, but it kind of is. Like it's, he's he's been in the he's been in the room longer than almost anyone on that team, and he's a better player than Dave, Damian Severson. But what I, the difference between Zuccarello, like you said, Zuccarello being the talent, and also Zuccarello is very, very specific. His team just let in 14 goals in two games. And Miles Wood is just kind of saying, like, uh, we're, we're not good. We kind of suck. And this is frustrating. And that's, it's almost like it's complaining without an end goal, I guess. Way, way less focused than I think Zuccarello's comments, which I think is fair. Yeah. He's just bitching. Be part of the solution, not part of the problem. I, I, you've been there a long time. I get it. Maybe you are the reason why you stink. 
Maybe, maybe <laughs> it's you. It's not, it's not me. It's you miles. And it's tough to critique him. I like the way he plays. He's a good player. You know, he, he does chip in offensively. He does play the body. He's a type of player who I would want on a team, but I just, I don't like when this stuff gets, and, and you nailed it. It, it. There's no solution there. He's just venting. He's just saying what he's thinking. I, I'm sick of being on a losing team. I get it. You're not helping the, the problem by just venting that. You're, you're making it worse than the locker room. There's a reason he had to issue an apology. Because it made things worse. It doesn't help the situation. If he doesn't, if there's no need for an apology, there was a need for an apology. That's, that's what I'm trying to get. Because he made a mistake. Do you think someone told him to? Or thinks he got spoken to? Um, if I was the GM or the coach, I'm pulling him aside. If I'm Lindy, I'm saying, hey, man, you you can't say that. I get you're frustrated. You can't say that to the media. Let's keep this in-house. The fans were chanting fire Lindy after game two. This is going to be a long season for the New Jersey Devils. This is <laughs> Man, what does it take to win in the NHL? Honestly, you you get high draft picks. You somewhat succeed. Jack Hughes is a good player. His Shire, the verdict is still out. You sign, like you mentioned, Andre Pilat. You get Thomas Tatar, who's a good player. You have good young forwards. You get Dougie Hamilton. He was the premier guy last year. What does it take to win? You got a good goaltender in Mackenzie Blackwood. You got a decent backup you picked up when a trade with the Vitek Vanacek, and they still can't win. I don't know. They're in a hard division. I get it, but they lose to the Philadelphia Flyers. We'll get to them in a second as well. But boy, oh boy, the poor Devils just can't catch a break. I don't know. I don't know. Talking about another play who's frustrated. Let's jump to Matt Zuccarello and and talk about how this is different. Miles Wood makes a comment. I'm sick and tired of being on a bad team. Wah, wah, wah. Matt Zuccarello, they give up 14 goals in two games. He comes out and says, you can't expect to win games when you let in 14 goals in two games. Sometimes we play defense like we're an effing junior team. It's the whole team we have to sharpen up. Poignant, directed. There's a message there. He's the elder statement. The guy is is a legit superstar in the NHL. We talked about it when we had him on. Friend of the show. He's frustrated. There's a distinct difference in how you air your frustration between Miles Wood just throwing a blanket statement saying we're a bad hockey team and Zook saying, listen, you can't keep playing like this. We're not playing like a good hockey team. We have to sharpen up on defense. There is an issue. He's saying we have to find a solution for it and then we'll move forward. There will be no apology coming from him. The team probably needed that kick in the butt and we'll move forward from it. The reason this this statement carries some weight. Matt Zuccarello was on the first line. He's been around the league a long time. The guy's got some weight in the locker room, and this will be good for the Minnesota Wild. I think they'll address it. They're a good defensive team. They have good defense men. They need to figure this out. But do you see the difference between the two, or do you just think they're similar? No, I do. I mean, so again, the context is everything, because Miles Wood, Miles Wood said this after game one loss, and I get there's probably years of build up there, but like you don't just go complaining. Maybe I'm maybe I'm changing my mind, but now Zuccarello, like you said, very direct, very intentional, solving a specific problem. The team was not good enough, and letting in 14 goals in two games is way more like deserving of 
of player frustration and saying something to the media than losing game one. You know what I mean? It just it just is. So Zuccarello, plus not to mention the difference in, in talent and everything like that. So, yeah, totally different. I see the point there. And then the last frustration. We saw this coming. We saw it last year. We saw it probably. This is the first time a camera has picked up on this. There was a Seth Jones and Patrick Kane incident. Seth Jones on the power play, Patrick Kane on the power play. Kaner expects Seth Jones to be on the blue line, floats a pass out to where he should be. Seth Jones is somewhere near the red line. Patrick Kane, lip reading, says, where the F are you going? (laughs) So I watched this a few times. I, I initially was on Patrick Kane's side. Like, what are you doing, Seth Jones? And I watched it a few more times. I can see why Seth Jones is near the blue line or red line, excuse me. There was a potential of a turnover. Kaner has the puck. He he doesn't know where he's going to go with it. The passing lane has already been filled by a guy on the opposing team. It, it would take a great pass to get it to Seth Jones. So Seth is just playing you know, safe. He's, he's playing center field. He's, he's guarding against a two-on-one, a breakaway against whatever. And there's another part of me that's just like, that's Patrick Kane. That's Patrick Kane. He's going to make that pass. Then there's another party that says, you're the Chicago Blackhawks. Just stay in the stinking zone. You, there's a good chance you're not going to win this game, so you have to take chances. And I went back and forth. My like, gosh, like, did Patrick overreact? Is Seth Jones just you know being the fall guy for this play? I'm like, no. I think Kaner's in the right. Seth Jones should have been in, in the play. But all that aside, it's going to be a long season for the New Jersey Devils for the Chicago Blackhawks and the Minnesota Wild. I think all three of these teams, all three of these situations, these are guys who are heavy. Like, Miles Wood is the assistant captain. I I checked. I apologize. He is part of that leadership group. Zuccarello is top three guys in that team. He's a face of the franchise, and everybody knows Patty King. These guys can see, see the writing on the wall. They read the tea leaves. It's going to be a long year. And they're just – I just – I've been in that situation going into the rink early on in the season. You see what's around you. You see what is out there in the league. And you're like, gosh, we, we suck. We are not going to be good. This is going to be a long year. And you just get that feeling. And it happens so early. You want to have good feelings early and you don't. And Patrick Kane's like passes it out to the point and Seth Jones isn't there. And he's like, where the F are you already game two? You're not in that position. It's like, this is, what are we doing here? And the same thing with Zuccarello. He's like, we have a bad team. We we are up against it salary cap wise. We're getting older and we're giving up 14 goals in two games when defense is supposed to be our bread and butter. When you look at our defense, we got Marc-Andre Fleury, we got Dumbo, we got Spurgeon, we got um, all these other bro Dean, we got high-end defensemen. We're giving up 14 and two. What are we doing here, boys? If we want to win, we have to play defensive hockey. Then Miles Wood, we sign Pallon, we get all these free agents. We're supposed to be ascending, not descending, and we're losing the first two games to teams like Philadelphia. We suck. I don't want to suck anymore. They see the future. They're being modern-day prophets. We're just like, we are going to be bad, and it's getting the best of them. I get that. I get that. When I get frustrated, Tim, I don't know. What else do you have to add to this? Well, I just I was thinking about you talked before about uh, 
Patrick Kane and yelling at Keith and Taze and Seabrook and all like fiery those guys are in all situations and all seasons. And so I get the frustration here with him not wanting to be there anymore. The team is bad. Seth Jones is overrated. Bad contract. Yada yada yada. But don't you think he would have yelled at anyone who did that and not just Seth Jones? Don't you think he would have yelled at anyone like Connor Murphy or Duncan Keith or any of those guys in that situation? Um, he would have. Yeah. But I think the situation would have been. Di- I don't know. I don't. I, I think he would have, but I think it's amplified because it's Seth Jones. It's a power play. It's his nine and a half million dollar contract. That's just an albatross at this point. And people grab onto that and they run with it. Oh, look at Kaner and Seth Jones. He would have yelled at anybody. It's just who he is. But you have to look into things a little more. That's what we do. Seth Jones is not. That's not a good contract. And you watch Seth Jones on that play. He did back off. He should have been aggressive enough to get back in the play when Chicago got control because there was a 50-50 puck. Kaner comes out of it, and he's still slow. He's on his heels. He's sitting up by the red line. He's expecting a turnover. You have to be aggressive. You have to know who's on the ice. You have to be aware situationally and get back into the play. He was late. He was lazy. Whatever the reason was, Kaner put the puck there where Seth Jones should have been. And he looks up and he sees it, Seth Jones. Maybe he would have given Duncan maybe the benefit of a doubt. Maybe he would have given other guys the benefit of a doubt. Like Connor Murphy is not Seth Jones. He's not a he's not a power play guy. The Blackhawks don't have a power play guy. We talked about the Leafs putting five forwards out. The Blackhawks should put five forwards out on a power play. They don't have a guy who can quarterback a power play. And then Seth Jones, he just doesn't seem like he's a fiery competitor. Kaner's used to being around Taves, and like you mentioned, all those other guys. He's used to being around guys who strive for greatness. Seth Jones doesn't seem to have that personality where he's just he's really pissed off after losing. He he won't take no for an answer. He wants to win regardless of the situation. He's just gonna you know drive through. Does he seem like that type of guy to you? He seems like the guy who's like, oh, I gave up a goal. Nah, get him next time. Just a very just whole hump. Maybe I'm wrong. But don't you get that type of vibe from him? He's just like, oh, you know, I'm good, but I'm not going to do whatever it takes to win. Don't you think? Sorry. I keep thinking back to like a couple of years ago when it was, I want to say it might have been that that lightning series when he was on Columbus and they upset him about how good he was. <laughs> and I remember thinking Seth Jones, 2018 or whatever, this guy's a multiple Norris candidate. He played 30-plus minutes a game. There was that double overtime where he played like 40 minutes, like something crazy. <clears throat> he was so good. I'm like, it seems like a different player almost. I don't know if it's just the attention now or the expectations are higher, but it doesn't seem like it's the same guy we were so excited about a couple of years ago. And so, no, I don't see that fiery competitiveness. I don't see that. Maybe it's hard to be fired up when you're on a team like that, but... Again, even last year, he did have 51 points and 19 power play points. A solid year, minus 37, but that's more of a team thing than, (laughs) you know. So it's like, he put up decent numbers. I don't know. I don't know. He's a hard guy to read. He's definitely not worth nine and a half. There's something to be said about being the guy. Everything falls on your shoulders. Because when you look at this Blackhawks defense, it's him, and then there's a massive Grand Canyon. And then the next guy, who is Connor Murphy. And Murph, I played with Murph. He's a good player. He has no business being the second-best defenseman on any NHL team. He's a 3-4 guy, 4-5 guy, and he's very good in that role. If he's your number two, you you have a lot of work to do on the back end. And then after Murph, there's another big gap. There's Caleb Jones, Jack Johnson. 
There's Philip Ruse, Jared Tonorti, who they picked up on waivers, who somehow made it into the opening night roster. Their defense is hot garbage. Like, it's so bad. And maybe there's a lot of pressure. Some guys like it. When he was in Columbus, he had a lot of cushion. He had a lot of other good defensemen around him to make him look good. He played with Zach Orinsky, for Pete's sake. Like that, when you play with a guy that good, it makes up for a lot of your miscomings. So I don't know. There's a lot of frustration going around the league. Team. There's a lot early frustration. And when I get frustrated, you know what I do? I eat, I eat my feelings. That's what I do when I get a little upset. I eat my feelings. We had some good donuts this weekend, and we got them from DoorDash fire up the app my wife messed up the order we're supposed to bring donuts to church she missed it she missed the window because we ordered a lot of donuts fire up the doordash app get it from another place in town boom six dozen donuts waiting for us we picked them up saturday night it was fantastic i used my promo code i used we got 25 percent off we got free delivery it was great doordash is so incredibly helpful when when you and you're in a bind Use DoorDash. Use our promo code GlovesDDUS if you're in the US of A. GlovesDD if you're in Canada. Like I said, you get 25% off, free delivery. It's a great company, Tim. It really is. I use them. You use them. They're good. Everybody knows they're good. So just use them. It helps us out a little bit when you use our promo code, but it helps you out a lot because you get food and you get a deal and you get it delivered to you wherever you are. And it's not only food. It's whatever. They would probably do a TV if you wanted. I don't know if they'll do TVs. I go to Best Buy, pick me up a TV. You could ask. You never know. You never know. There's only one way to find out. Use our promo code. DoorDash. All right, Tim. Some bad news. Some some. It's a bad situation in Toronto between the pipes. It was a bad situation before the season started. You got Matt Murray. <laughs> yeah. You got Ilya Samsonov. Lots of unknown there. The season started. Matt Murray played okay the first game. They lose. Samsonov comes in. Plays okay. Matt Murray hurts himself, Tim. Leaves practice. He's got a quad injury. He's no spring chicken anymore. Most guys would bounce back. This would be a couple-day thing. He's out at least four weeks. That's not good for the Toronto Maple Leafs. What is their goaltending situation right now? They are up against cap hell. What kind of juggling does Kyle Dubas have to do now? Break down their situation for us. Oh, it's very good. And this is like all happening on Saturday. Everyone's scrambling because Murray's out. He's hurt. Sam Sonob was supposed to not start, but he gets to start. No big deal. You got your starter. You back up. Who's it going to be? Well, obviously not Murray. It was going to be Calgren, but he was hurt. And they dressed him as the backup, but he probably wouldn't have been able to get in. He was he was hurt that bad. So they still haven't figured that out. They have Wall, W-O-L-L, he's hurt. And they have a guy named Hildeby who's loaned out to Sweden. That's all five goalies they have in professional NHL contracts out of the 50. And they are maxed out at 50, which means they can't sign anyone else. Which means in order to get another goalie, they're going to have to move someone like trading Wayne Simmons for nothing just so you can sign some goalie from the East Coast League or something. I, I don't know what they're going to do. Samsonov, the good news, has played pretty well. He's 2-0. He's been solid in net. He's going to get a lot more starts down the stretch here now because of Murray being out. But it's crazy that Dubas found himself in this situation when he's already under the gun and all the goalies are hurt. Maybe that's not his fault, but <laughs> it's game three and the Leafs are already in cap hell, already scrambling what was already a bad situation between the pipes. It's just so typical Toronto. It's unbelievable. Yeah. What, what else did they expect? And it, I don't know. I, I, if you're a GM, 
what's the most important position in hockey? It's the goaltender. It's the one that can win you games, but it can also lose you games. It is the most important position. And I don't know how you – this is Dubas's fault. Am I am I wrong? He You should have – like you should have answers for this. If Matt Murray gets hurt, what do we do? You can't be just in a situation like this where your guy gets hurt and you have no one to back him up and you're dressing David Ayers, but it's not like warmups. This is pregame. Like this is the morning of you should have a situation contingency plans where you have players ready to call. It's not a good look. And this is this is all because of the salary cap. This is all because they don't have enough money to spend. They've maxed out their contracts for their forwards and their defense. I I don't know how this doesn't fall on Dubas's head. You haven't I don't know. I, I've waxed poetically about this for hours and hours. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but you have a Stanley Cup winning team in front of you. Just give them a decent goalie. And they've been able to cobble together. You know, they've gone 2-0 and with, with Samsonov. It's not because of Samsonov. It's because the team is terrific. And now you're you're forcing this guy to be the starter and call up. Calgren's hurt, but he's grabbing the opportunity to be a backup, get back up to the NHL, maybe resurrect his NHL hopes. What happens if Samsonov gets hurt? What happens? Who's your goal? Who's your goaltender? Keith Petruzzelli? Dylan Ferguson, they're only on AHL contracts. You can't even give them an NHL contract to call up. What do you do? You have no room. Nobody's going to help you out. Uh, stupid Leafs, man. What They always just, just go away. Just just go and play hockey. Matt Murray, what a, what a bad. That's what you get for signing him in the offseason or for trading for him. Then Talbot's hurt in Ottawa. Everybody's getting hurt. There, there's no There's no solution to this, Tim without Toronto giving up an asset to go get another goaltender. with And you can't even trade Murray now that he's hurt. I don't know. If he's hurt now, game two, for an injury where it wasn't during a game, it wasn't during a collision, he just moved wrong and, and tweaked his quad, this is going to be the whole season thing. The Leafs, I'm sorry, it's not looking good. Tavares is still hurt. He's playing through an injury, which you don't want him to do at a guy of his age, but he's... He's their guy. Like I said, if he's out, they're in trouble. Now you're starting goaltenders hurt, and you're going to rely on Elias Samsonov, who's never played a full NHL season as a starter. Whew. It's uh, How can you be confident in this team? How can you call this team a Stanley Cup contender? You can't at this point. They need to make a change between the pipes. It has to happen. You have to give up assets. You have to take care of the situation right now. Don't let it linger. Don't hope you did it last year. Oh, maybe we'll figure it out. Colgren go come through. Colgren stunk. Jack Campbell played well. You lost in the first round. You have to write the situation now. You have to get a goaltender in who can win a Stanley Cup for you. Doesn't have to be a Stanley Cup pedigree. Just get someone in who can save the puck. None of these guys can do that. Murray, Samsonov, Colgren, Wall, all these guys. None of them will win you a Stanley Cup. Not one of them. That's it. You got to go get somebody if you're Dubas, or else you're going to be without a job. You'll be without a job. Shanahan will be without a job. Keith will be without a job. Everybody has to be gone. Maybe not Shanahan. He can probably buy himself another couple of years. But the top, those two other two guys, the coach and the GM, will be gone. Don't you think you get, you need a goalie? You have to. You have to do it now. 
The only problem is how do you fit one in who's good enough to help you under the salary cap? You're going to have to move a real roster piece, whether it's on the back end, like a Muzzin or a Brody, who both make five and change each. That's a good chunk of money. Or it's going to be like a Nylander. And he's so valuable. Like, how, how does how does adding a goalie really make your team better? It's 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 not an enviable situation. But they are still so good. They're going to win a lot of games. They'll probably win 50 games in the regular season. And then they're going to lose unless they do something about it. And I just don't well, see you, how this works out. You give up Matt Murray. You give up Matt Murray and a first-rounder to get another goalie. Or a first and a second-rounder. So you get rid of his salary. You take on the goalie salary who you bring in. And you you do it that way. But you're you're going to have to give up a first and a second rounder. That that's the problem. You're going to have to mortgage your future, which you have to do in order to compete for a Stanley Cup this year. You will not, and I I've said it. You will not win with these goalies. You can't. You won't. There's no way, no way whatsoever. Kemper was a good goalie. He wasn't great, but he was good. Colorado won the Stanley Cup. Tampa Bay had Vasilevsky. He's a great goalie. You don't need a great goalie. You need a good goalie. You need a goalie who won't lose you a game. Kemper proved that last year. Colorado was a juggernaut. All Kemper did was just make the saves he's supposed to make, and the team will do the rest. Matt Murray will cost you games. Samsonov will cost you games, in my opinion. You have to make a change. Trade Matt Murray and his salary, a first-rounder and a second-rounder, Anywhere to get anybody, a Husso, a Najelkovic, a Hellebuck, all of these guys could win you a Stanley Cup. He's got to do it now. You, you cannot wait. You have to do it now, but you can't because Murray's on the LTIR. So you, I guess you're going to have to wait. The stupid Leafs. They, why would you put yourself in this situation? It's so incredibly dumb. All right, moving on. What are we talking about now, Tim? Yeah, I kind of want to run down some some really cool things. We, we talked about Soderblom last week. And he made his NHL debut. He is six eight. He's not six six like we like we said. I don't believe um, it. I think he's six six. His parents even came out and said he was six eight. Um, his parents awesome. are wrong. <laughs> so he started the night with an unreal first shift, like cycling, puck dominance, using his reach that he's got. He's so long and big. And then he ended up scoring a goal, a rebound right in the dirty area. It ended up being the game winner. And he's part of a tallest line in NHL history now with Rasmussen and I forget the other guy. Really cool moment, really cool opening night for him. They were interviewing his parents on the broadcast and they had flown over from Europe. I think they got there just in time. And then he scores his goal and the mother's crying. It was really cool. Really cool. Good win for the big boys in the NHL. It was Oscar Sunkfist, who is six foot three. You got Soderbloom, who's six foot. Eight, eight with the question eight. mark against it, and then their centerman is Michael Rasmussen, who's six foot six. That's insane. That's a big six line. eight, six six, and six three. Those are some big boys. Those are some hard players to play against. And to boot, they all have hands. Rasmussen was drafted in 2017, ninth overall. So you know he's got some mitts. So what was the Sunkfist was drafted in the third round, 81st overall. So you know he's got some mitts. And we obviously know Soderblom. Is here's my question to you. How does this happen? How do you how do you just have these players fall in your lap? Is Steve Eiserman one of the greatest GMs of all time? And that's and that's an honest question because Elmer Salterbloom, we saw what he did in preseason, we saw what he did in his first NHL game. How on earth does Steve Eiserman draft this guy in the sixth round? 159th overall. 
does he have this that much foresight to be able to uh, pick a guy in two thousand three years ago he was drafted? Is he is his his talent analysis and projection just that much better than everybody else? Because this guy, based on one game, it was a heck of a, a debut. Is Steve Eiserman the best GM in the NHL today, Tim? Um, it's hard to say, but if you ask me, like, okay, which GM would I want building a team? It's definitely Eisenman. And, and it's a part of that subjective, but even Mo Sider, obviously incredible pick, won the uh, rookie of the year last year, 50, 50 points as a defenseman on a bad team. Speaking of Sider, did you see that tussle between him and Kirby Dock over the weekend? What happened? Two um, friends of the shows. Don't tell me. I know. I know. We got to talk to him. Uh, Doc was holding Sider and they just wouldn't let go. And Sider's trying to break loose, break loose. And then finally he goes over. Doc lets go. And Sider goes to crawl over his bench. And Doc pushes him again from behind. And he like falls over onto someone's lap. And I guess Sider had like, every time they play, Sider just blows him up. He's obviously a better player. But Doc is getting some good commentary from uh, Montreal fans. He's got a good start who, to the season. Who wins that fight? Cider or Doc? Most Cider, 6'3", probably 210. Kirby Doc, what is he, 6'5", probably 210 as well. Who's winning that fight? Uh, Cider. Uh, he just seems tougher. They're both wow. They're pretty close. Who's the toughest guy on Detroit with that tall tall line? We just said 6'8", 6'6", 6'3". Who's the t- is it Andrew Kopp? Is it Bertuzzi? I've never seen a lineup of guys so tall who are just so, I don't want to say soft, or just not good at fighting. Who's yeah. the best guy on the team, Tim? Is it Bertuzzi? I guess. Yeah, there's not really any fighters on that team. Olimata will fight a little bit. He's not that tough. Olimata will fight a little bit, did you just say? <laughs> Peron. Peron will scrap. He's more of a might pest, be, though. Might be Nadelkovic. The goaltender. We know he likes to fight. Another. F- How many friends of the show are we going to have? I'm losing when count. We, when this show is five years from now, gosh, we're going to have to make a T-shirt. Everybody's going to be friends of the show. But yeah, Detroit. They they have such a bright future. They really do. When you look at the, when you look at who they have in the pipeline. When you look at who they have on the ice right now. When you look at their draft picks coming up. When you look at their salary cap situation moving forward, they're looking pretty good. All right, what else are we talking about? Yeah, the Penguins have come off to a good start. They're 2-0, and and they've got 12 goals already. And Sidney Crosby, Sid the Kid, has six points in those two games. Really hot start for them. Um, on the other hand, Vancouver has started 0-2, and they had leads in both of those games. And the big issue last year, we talked about it with JT, was a slow start to the season, not being able to close out games, and they're doing it once again. How... He must be just pulling his hair out. This is this is a definition of a bad team. And there's bad teams in the sense of we're just we're not a very good team. We don't have enough talent. We lose. And then there's a bad team where it's just ingrained in you and you're not winners. And the more we watch the Vancouver Canucks, the more it's looking like they are just a bunch of losers. And I hate to say that. But when you go into a game and you have a 3 nothing lead and a 2 nothing lead late in the second period into the third period and you lose both of those games in regulation, there's something fundamentally wrong with your leadership group. You should be able to hold on to those leads. You should be able to play sound defensive hockey and get Ws or at least get one point. They lost both games. This is not a good thing for the Vancouver Canucks. 
not good at all, especially everybody thought we, we got Bruce Boudreaux. We, we turned a corner. It's going to be a new season. We're going to start fresh. We're going to start hot. We're going to carry over our late season success to this season. A zebra doesn't change his spots. The leadership group in Vancouver, the defense that they have, they – I hate to say it because we have so many friends of the show on that team. JT Miller, Tyler Myers, like we we – we know guys in that team. They're not going to win. I don't know what else. I don't know how else to say it. Maybe I'm just jumping the gun a little bit. It's too early to say, but you can't have leads in the NHL three nothing and two nothing in the second period and lose outright. You need to hold those leads. It's 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 imperative. That that's a tap and win. If you're up three nothing in the third period, you need to win that hockey game. And for it to be the first two games of the year, there's no sense of urgency, no sense of just like getting off to a good start. I can see this maybe a month into the season if you're a little, you know, fatigued. This is the first game of the year, you're up three nothing. This is the second game of the year after blowing a lead three nothing, and you're up two nothing, and you blow that lead. Ugh, it, it's not a good trend to start, and I'm sorry, and I know I I have to make predictions. <sighs> This is they, they have to do something. They have too much talent for this. It's everybody knows the issue. It's the back end. The defensemen are just not there. So it's it's not a good start for Vancouver. I know. Any what do you think? Well, one of those losses was against Philadelphia, which is the team you want to beat, and that's you know, that's that's the tough one to lose. But Philadelphia's had actually a strong start to the season. They're also two and like their counter state counterparts um and i'm not surprised by this i think tortorella it's a tortorella effect but you know guys are going to be working harder the expectation a little bit higher it's going to level out they're not going to be as a, a a winning team but starting the season strong after what tortorella put them through in training camp and the expectation i'm not surprised that they started off two and zero. are you no not at all and and let's let's keep in mind they they played vancouver in new jersey so two teams that they should have competed with and maybe have gone in the gone into the games being the favorite but yeah you get the torts bump the early the early season you want you want to do well by the coach wait until game 75 game 65 when he's still breathing down your neck and screaming at you and tearing a strip off you in practice we'll see if he gets the same reaction that he does in games one two three four five but it just gets me thinking which of these teams should we be concerned about which of these teams maybe we shouldn't buy into the hype when you look at the teams right now? I know that we only played two or three games, but these games matter. We, we said it last week. There are a few teams that are unbeaten still. Out of these teams, Tim, Tim, which ones should we be concerned about? Which ones are just going to be bad? And which ones are we, we shouldn't read into it this much? San Jose, 0-4. Vancouver, 0-2. Arizona, 0-2. Minnesota, 0-2. Ottawa, 0-2, Columbus 0-3, New Jersey 0-2. Out of these seven or eight teams that I just mentioned, which one do you think digging out is going to dig out of this hole that we shouldn't be too concerned about? I'm not that concerned about Ottawa yet. I think they're still finding their game a little bit. And they have some new faces there. they got to figure that out. Dabrinka doesn't look great. Giroux scored, but he's still fitting in with the new guys. I think they'll be fine. Minnesota, I think, will be fine. Um, although they have a tough matchup again tonight. They could go down 0-3. They're playing Colorado. I think the Devils will be better than this, but man, Arizona is going to be bad. Vancouver, we're definitely concerned about. Columbus is just not great. They're 0 3, and San Jose starting 0 4. 
Is Connor Bedard watching this being like, oh God, please win some games. I don't want to go to, I don't want to be a shark. Where does he want to go among these teams? New Jersey, maybe? If I'm him, I, I want to go to Ottawa. I think that yeah. would be an exciting place to play. All the young players they have, all these guys locked up for a long time. I think Ottawa would be a fantastic play. You don't want to go to San Jose. You don't want to go to Arizona. You don't want to go to those teams where they have no potential. There's no future there. You're just locked in. You're going to be Miles Wood cursing the team out because we've just lost for eight years. You've ruined the first eight years of my career. But when you look at Ottawa, you can see where this team is heading. By the way, Alex Dabrinkit, how many goals does he have this year after two two games, Tim? Zero. You said he was going to get what? 40-plus again? Yeah. Yeah, it's the Patrick Kane bump. I know it's early, but he, it's, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Leave Patrick Kane, bad things happen. How many does Ovechkin have? Zero. All these oh, guys. he's done. I'm, by the way, I'm right. By the way, fantasy, I'm uh, up. I won week one. You lost week one by a lot, and we're playing each other this week. We are. I don't have it on my phone. So I, I don't check it that often, but I, I don't, you're a fantasy type guy. I live in the real world. <laughs> okay. okay. Just kidding. All right. We got a new sponsor, everybody. Very exciting. Cause Tim and I have waxed poetically about betting this year, showing our prowess and picking games. And who do we partner up Tim? We vetted, a, we vetted a lot of people, all the heavy hitters. Everybody knows everybody out there. And we came across this partnership and they're good. They've been around forever. Tim, who is it, and what are we doing here? It's BetUS, and there's some cool stuff going on with there. They're better than some most of the other platforms out there, um, and they have some really special things happening right now. You can deposit $100, and you get an extra 125 If you sign up today, you enjoy a 125% deposit bonus. If you deposit 200 you get 450 So the, the deal is just incredible. And John and I have put a little bit of money in each, and we started this whole the betting thing. And the way it's going to work is we're just going to start with $1,000 and see who finishes the season with more money we'll share our bets every week we'll post them on social media it's a competition it's funny i was looking at, i look up at the show on reddit every once in a while to see if people talk about it and there was a comment there a couple weeks ago that was like the show is good entertaining guests anytime tim gives gambling advice just bet the opposite just do whatever he says not to do yeah and yeah well we'll see we'll, we'll find out this year so i've got three bets already locked in for tonight do you want to go down your list too I can't believe if you deposit two hundred dollars, they give you four hundred and fifty. Makes no so they're sense. Give, you're getting two hundred and fifty dollars free. It's a pretty neat little system they have to start up. So yeah, go to BetUS and just <clears throat> it's it, it's a neat thing. So yeah, let's let's break down our bets because this is this is a season long thing. And it's one of these things, do you want to go heavy and, and build your nest egg early and risk it all and maybe have nothing to play with for the rest of the year? Or do you want to dip your toe and ease your way into it? What did you two do, Tim? I, I want to know. What is yeah. your first night's betting? I, I placed three bets, not nothing too huge, or 10 bucks each, just kind of sort of feeling it out, testing the waters a little bit. The first bet is for the Rangers to win outright against, um, who are they playing? They are playing... Wow, you're really prepared. <laughs> I was feeling pretty cocky about it earlier. They are playing the Anaheim Ducks at home in Madison Square Garden. The second bet is a little bit creative. I have the Maple Leafs to score first in their game against Arizona. 
feel pretty good about that one too. It's funny, the Maple Leafs are two and one. They lost to Montreal on opening night, but they haven't had like an explosive big win yet. They're overdue for like a seven to one game or something like that. And so I think they're gonna do it tonight. And then my third bet is a parlay. I have the Colorado Avalanche winning and against the uh, Minnesota tonight. And I have the over 6.5 total goals. Minnesota has let up seven in each of the first two games. I know it's probably not going to happen again, but between the two teams, I feel good about that over. The game's in Colorado, so I feel th- good about all three of those bets. I, they're not bad. The Rangers one scares me. It does. But here's mine. I, I'm a parlay guy. And I'm an outright win person. I don't like, it's not that I don't like them. The old, the, the little side bets, the prop bets, this and that I'm an old fashioned better. I pick a winner and I'm doing money line. So I, I go with the spread. So I went four game parlay. I bet $50, Tim five, zero. You know what my winnings are? If I hit these four, I'll tell you after the four. So I went Toronto over Arizona. That's a tap in. Arizona's getting one and a half, so Toronto has to win by two. I think Toronto wins by seven. They throw a touchdown on the board. My next game is Colorado over the Minnesota Wild. Again, Colorado has to win by one and a half. I think they're going to be up by one. Empty netter, you win by two. My next game is Carolina. They're also under or favored by one and a half. They're playing the Seattle Kraken. I think Carolina's going to win by two. These are easy picks. I don't know why everyone's not doing this. The last one is the New York Rangers. This is the one that makes me nervous. You picked them. I'm hoping John Gibson lets in a few soft ones. I'm hoping the Rangers capitalize on their very good start. I took them for a win, and they're also favored by a goal and a half. So they got to win by two. So if Toronto, Colorado, Carolina, and New York all win by two goals, Tim, my $50 bet turns into almost $1,400. Are you crazy if I get $1,400 right out the gate? I'm I'm laughing. So that's my bet. That's my first bet U.S. bet. I'm excited. I hope everybody else is excited. Come along for the ride with this. Win some money or lose some money. You know, you're not guaranteed to win, but I guess you are if you deposit $200 and you get $450 in your bank account right away. So check it out, BetUS. We'll po- Are we going to throw these on uh, the, the Twitter to show everybody that we're not just blowing smoke? We're actually putting our own cold, hard cash up for grabs here? Yeah, we'll put it on social media, and you can follow along and go with me or go against me. But if you go against me, I'm not going to win much money. <sighs> well, we'll see. Our- we'll see how it goes. But anyways, thanks, everybody, for joining us. We'll talk to you Wednesday. We'll recap all our bets, and there'll be lots more to talk about. All right, everybody. Have a good week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.